Good morning. Today we are in Galatians 3, and I hope this message finds you well. I hope uh, whenever you're watching this, that the goodness and the freedom that comes out in this letter really, really hits home to you today. This is Paul's angriest letter. He's writing this in the midst. He's uh, visited all over Galatia. He's gone back. He's They've had the, the meeting with Peter and all the apostles in Jerusalem about what, what the Christian life really looks like for Gentiles and for formerly Jewish people. And he's written this letter somewhere in the midst of that discussion. And so now he opens Galatians 3. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? This, um, some translations say, you stupid Galatians. He is just so upset. Who has bewitched you? He's been talking all through Galatians 1 and 2 about the law, the law, the law. You don't have to follow the law anymore. You are free from the law. Jesus has taken your sin away. Sin does not count anymore. And now he's just having like a meltdown. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your very eyes, you saw this, that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. You, Some of you saw him die. Some of you have cousins that were in Jerusalem for Passover and saw him die. Some of you, just all different ways, you've heard about this. He died. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Paul is taking direct offense at this bogus teaching that you are saved by faith and that you are kept by your good works. This, uh, this lie that when you are saved, when you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead, that his Holy Spirit is now in you. And so you better watch out and you better live right and you better follow these rules or else. It's nonsense. Jesus paid the price for all of your sins and he is addressing this. Did you receive, when you received the Holy Spirit, did you receive the Holy Spirit because you were holy and perfect and you followed all 613 laws of Moses? Is that why you received the Holy Spirit? Or did you receive the Holy Spirit by faith in Jesus Christ? Did you receive healing did you receive restoration? Did you receive the mercy of God? That's a trick question, isn't it? Because of your good works. Because if it's mercy, you received it because you didn't deserve it. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Was Christ's sacrifice, was Christ's entire perfect life that he lived, was it not enough to make you holy? Do you also have to make sure you don't say cuss words? Do you have to also make sure you wear a tie to church? Or 
even that you attend church in person? Do you have to make sure that you uh, don't drive a Toyota car because it was made by people who don't worship Jesus? Do you see where we still struggle with this today, don't we, right? Law upon law upon law. Now, I'm not saying it's not good to be at church with a bunch of people. Not saying it's good to not kick your cat and scream at your kids. Those aren't about righteousness because Jesus Christ has made you righteous. And so now we live by the Holy Spirit, not by a law. The Holy Spirit has made me righteous. And so now I want to live by the Holy Spirit. I don't have to walk in fear of obeying a law or not. Did you suffer? Verse four, he says, did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was vain. They, these folks are suffering because when they became Christians and they called Jesus the Messiah, a lot of them are persecuted by the Jewish people in the synagogues that uh, they called Jesus a drunk. They called Jesus a sinner. Um, he ate with tax collectors. He was evil. So they're getting shunned by all that and they're suffering those ways. They're suffering from the Romans and Greek religions because they are pantheistic and they believe in all different gods and all different uh, terrible lifestyles. And the Christians are saying, no, that's not right either. So they're suffering. And he's saying, are you suffering in vain? Does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So even here, this, this, ah, this is today, you guys. Does God work miracles among you because you satisfy works of the law? And so you hear preachers saying, you know, you better live right. You know, uh, I've heard people be told some bad thing happened to them. And somebody said it was because you, you didn't, you have sin that you haven't confessed that these bad things happened to you. And that is all, uh, I'm going to use strong language. <laughs> That's garbage, you guys. That is such a lie of the devil. Um, God works miracles out of his mercy. God sends deliverance out of his mercy, not because of works of the law. It's by our, our faith and just believing in him. And I've even been around people who accuse me of not having enough faith. And that's why God didn't do X, Y, Z because, and gosh, now you just turn that into a law of, oh, you have to have faith like this. Oh, you have faith like this. If you want that garbage, just absolute BS. It is by faith. It is out of God's mercy that he does these things. And he wants to do them. He, he loves it. He loves us so much. So Paul throws in this Abraham bit. And then he's going to go elaborate on it more. Verse 7. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all nations be blessed. 
So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So God spoke to Abraham out of nowhere. And he said, leave your father's family, leave your father's land, go to this place that I will show you. And Abraham went and God said, I'm going to make you the father of all these nations as, as abundant as the stars in the sky, the sand on the seashore. This is how all of your descendants, you're, this is how many descendants you're going to have. And Abraham believed God. He believed him. And it says, he believed God and it was credited to him. He was assigned. He was given. He was labeled by God righteous. You are all right, Abraham. When he believed. And then it was later that Abraham did things like get circumcised, like set up this camp in this in this place, mainly get circumcised. It was after after that. So Abraham was made righteous and called righteous by God when he believed, not when he did these works of the law. He did the works of the law out of his belief, out of his love for God, because he trusted God. So he did what God said to do. All rely on works of the law are under a curse. This is verse 10. If you rely on works of the law, I'm relying on my good deeds to make God consider me righteous. You're cursed. It is written, cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. That means if you're going to depend on the law, you better depend. You, you, you have to. <laughs> you can't pick and choose. You have to do every single thing in the law. From you can't ever wear wool and cotton at the same time. You can't ever touch anything that's dead. Uh, you have to kill all the Amalekites. 613 laws. And I'm not saying um, that it, it's not valid because that's just too hard and God wouldn't do that. I'm saying that's what the scripture said. <laughs> if you're going to live by the law, you you have to obey every single one of them. And if you ever break any of them, then you're a transgressor of the law. And that, and that is that. It is evident, Galatians 3.11, it's evident that no one is justified before God by the law. Okay, now wait a minute. So even if I obey the law, I'm still not justified before God. Even if I do everything right, you cannot self-justify yourself before the law. So here's where all this started. This all started in Eden. And there's this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it is a good tree. And God made it. And he saw that it was good. But that is not how people, his creation, mankind, humans, are supposed to live. They're not supposed to live by good and evil. And there's this tree of life. And the tree of life is Christ. And, and it, is, it is God. And so you cannot partake of life, of God, if you are putting yourself in a position 
of deciding right and wrong, good and evil. You can't have knowledge of good and evil and have God's life because we're selfish and we want to live apart from God. You you can't have both of those. Only God, only God can have both of those because he's perfect and he he he's worthy of he he has the wisdom, he has the the power, he he is worthy of of having those two things and we aren't. We're part of his creation. And so that's that's why when Adam and Eve took the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were no longer allowed to have the tree of life because they would use it for their, I mean, they immediately started judging each other. Oh, we're naked. Oh, we're, we're this, we're that. We're not good enough. We're not, we're not worthy to be around God. Oh, we, and all that was true because they ate that. And so judging things by the tree of good and evil, even if you're eating from the good side of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which you're not supposed to eat from. And so as long as you live in this law lifestyle of what's right, what's wrong, ooh, this, that, ooh, tick, ooh, tick, 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 plus one, minus one, plus one, minus one, uh, up, up vote, down vote, oh, bad, good. You're not living life in God. Life by the Spirit is completely different. A really um, low way of thinking of this is what kind of relationship would I have with my wife if I lived a constant plus one, minus one, follow the rules, life. And sometimes I fall into this and it never turns out good. <laughs> Where I think if I do X, Y, Z, then she'll be happy. Or then I'll be able to ask for this, this, and this. And that makes it economics, right? That makes, that makes, turns our relationship into a McDonald's order. And McDonald's orders are always messed up. I mean, seriously. But if it's a relationship and it's a friendship and it's an interaction, now all of a sudden it's so much more alive than XYZ and PDQ and, and exchange. If I have a relationship, I mean, think about going to uh, going and getting food at grandma's house where Pretty much you don't care what she gives you because you know it's going to be good. And uh, my grandma had like this endless supply of Sprite. And that's just what I had. And and uh, my other grandma had an endless supply of Kit Kat bars in the fridge. And that was the only way she, she that was the only way I knew how to do Kit Kat until I was like 13. And that is a relationship and I trust her and she trusts me and what I'm going to get from her. I don't even know what it is, but I know that she loves me and I'm going to love her. Even if it's the white chocolate Kit Kat, which is just wrong. So tree of the knowledge of good and evil is this tree of life, the law and the Holy Spirit. No one is justified before God by the law. So if you ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and all you knew was good and you did everything right, it's still the wrong stinking tree. You're not even supposed to be over there, right? 
And so that's not going to justify you before God. He says, Paul is quoting Habakkuk, the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. You're, you're righteous because of your faith, not because of works of the law. And so that righteousness that came to you by faith is perpetuated and continues by the one in whom you have faith. He does it. The law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Just chew on that for a minute. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by he himself becoming a curse for us. This echoes uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21 Our sake, he made, for our sake, God, this is Second Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, God made him, that's Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin. He made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you feel like the righteousness of God? <laughs> Guess what? It doesn't matter. Uh, the Bible says that if you believe that Christ died on the cross for your sins, that you have been made into the righteousness of God. You are it. You know, you, you can go to a place and you can just be like, gosh, this place is evil and this place is terrible and this is awful. Uh, there's a section of town that my wife drives through sometimes if she you know, takes the wrong way to the store or whatever. She's like, I feel like I'm in Gotham City. This is just so dark. Guess what? If you're there, the righteousness of God is there. God, for our sake, for us, God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that in him we might be the righteousness of God. And what's really awesome is if you read that backwards. So first, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that that motivates you to do 2 Corinthians 5.20, which is, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might be the righteousness of God. And so if you're the righteousness of God, does sin count for you? I mean, how could it count for you? It can't, and it doesn't. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Back to Galatians 3. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For as written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, hung on the cross. That was a slang term for the cross. Jesus became a curse for us. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles, whether Jewish or not, right? Everybody. And we would receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. When you come to faith in Jesus, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And God loves you so much, he does not make you a robot, mind-controlled, lifeless object. 
He will still let you live however you want to live. But he gives you the Holy Spirit. And so that you can start to pay attention and you can listen and you can live according to the Holy Spirit instead of your animal, just, you know, see yummy thing, eat it, mindless uh, instinct of the flesh. <clears throat> so Paul gives an example. To give a human example, even with man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it's been ratified. So once you make a deal and you sign it, nobody adds to it. When I when I buy a car, you know, I sign the paperwork and I turn it in. They don't come back three weeks later and they're like, actually, you also need to give us your firstborn son. That we're adding to the deal. What? They don't. They don't do that. Once this deal is made, the deal is made. The promises made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one. And to your offspring, Abraham, to Christ. This is what I mean, Paul says. The law, which came 430 years after Abraham, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God. So Abraham receives righteousness by faith. Moses takes everybody out of Egypt, they go into the wilderness, and they receive a law. The law is giving them a way to live. Remember, it's like, it's like, the, um, it's like the Constitution. It's like the Bill of Rights. It's, these people have been slaves for 400 years. They didn't even know how to do any kind of government, much less in the Promised Land. So they're given that to know how to just function and not have anarchy. And they're given ways to express their faith. But their righteousness is still by faith. It didn't change what God said to Abraham. The, the law came for other reasons. This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterward, does not annul the covenant previously ratified by God. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until Jesus, that offspring, would come to whom the promise had been made and it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. So, why the law? The law came to show people, okay, you are not living by faith. <laughs> if you were living by faith, you would pursue justice. If you were living by faith in God, you would, you would give uh, a tenth of your income and a tenth of your things to help support the Levites and their worship of this God. If you were living by faith, then you would uh, not divorce your wife for any old reason, and, and you wouldn't uh, put the widow and the orphan out on the street. So God gives them these laws so that they can see, oh gosh, if we were living by faith, we would do this stuff. Let's express our faith to God by doing these laws. And they, and they can't. And so now that's to reveal to them, we need God's mercy. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. If a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed come by the law. It's, the law is not life-giving. It's wonderful. David sings songs about it. The prophets 
are distressed when people transgress it. Why? Because it's all a way to show God you love him. I don't know if you've been in this spot where you love somebody so much and you're like, oh, I wish I knew how to just express my outrageous love. You know, I've had this with all of my kids. I've had this with my wife. Gosh, I love them so much. How can I, I mean, I could buy a Lego set and that would be great. And that would make them really happy. Would that express my, oh, my love for them? Um, I had a, a buddy one time and I was like, dude, your dad is so awesome. How can I just show your dad that I think he is so cool? And my friend, he said, if you just went and talked about his cars and asked him to show off his cars to you, he would really love that. I mean, it's like, find the thing that would really make somebody feel loved and then you do it because you love them so much. That's the place of the law. That's God. God was like, man, you guys, I know there's some of you that really love me a whole bunch. I'm going to show you a way to do it. Another purpose of the law. So the law isn't contrary to the promises of God, but it can't make you righteous. It can't bring that righteousness about because people are going to break it. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that by the promise, by faith in Jesus Christ would be given to those who believe so that people would cry out, I need somebody to save me. Before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we would be justified by faith. The law was a guardian until Christ came. So this is really cool. Um, they had a concept in Greek culture that Paul is referring to here, where if you were a young boy and you were growing up, you would have a mentor, kind of like a nanny, only um, not as babying, but more of a mentor. You would have an Obi-Wan Kenobi. You would, you would have... A, 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 a wise master and you would not be allowed to leave the house without that wise master until you were an adult. They would always go out with you. They would always help you in the street. They would always help you with any dealings you had. They would, they would just, it was like an ongoing teacher. If you went to school, they would be the person that would take you to school. And when you got out of school, they would bring you home and they would tutor you and instruct you and be with you that's what the law is. This is how Paul is explaining what the law is. The law was always there. But no old people have this teacher, this wise master, because you grow up. Now that faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian. The law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we'd be justified by faith Get you The law came to get you to learn the right stuff. But now faith has come. We're no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. You have been made a direct son or daughter of God. Through faith in Jesus. There's no other people between you and him. As many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. This is really awesome. So for all who are in Christ, you have put him on. You are wearing him right now. If you, 
if you could see me the way I look in Christ, you would think you were looking at Jesus. It was just that, I mean, if I could see you in Christ, the way you look in him, I would think I was looking at God. You were just, ah, oh, you, you are the righteousness of God. You are holy. Um, you, you have put on Christ. And remember when we talked about baptism, there was one word for baptism that's where you, you dip the pickle or you dip the cucumber in hot boiling water. And then there's the other word for baptism where you take that cucumber and you stick it in vinegar and it sits there and it's transformed and it's changed and it's a completely new thing. It's a pickle and it's awesome. This is actual uh, Greek, ancient Greek manuscripts where they found a recipe for pickles and they they use these two different words that the New Testament uses for baptize. And guess which one is here? All of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. All of you who have been soaked in him to be changed into a different thing. An ongoing in Christ, like a cucumber in sugar and vinegar transformation into a completely new thing. You, as many of you as were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. You are all one in Christ Jesus. This whole business of Jew or Greek, slave or free, male and female, these were all dividing lines of hierarchy in their culture of who was better than whom. The Jews were better than the Greeks in the eyes of all the Jewish people, right? The uh, men were better than the women and the free people were better than the slaves. And we are not, oh, we're not following those lines anymore. As far as division, as far as who is better than whom, it's nonsense. Why? Because you aren't your own. You have now been taken out of your flesh and you have been put in Christ. And that slave has been put in Christ and that rich guy has been put in Christ. And that lady has been put in Christ and that man has been put in Christ. And that Greek has been, that Greek pagan Gentile has been put in Christ. And this righteous Levitic Pharisee does it all has been put in Christ and all who are in Christ are made new and there aren't lines deciding who's better than who anymore. You're all heirs. You are all one in Christ Jesus. If you are Christ, you are Abraham's offspring and heirs according to that promise, that promise of righteousness. Righteousness is credited to you just like it was credited to Abraham by faith not by works of the law. And if we're all in Christ, oh, well, if I pray for six hours a day and you only pray for four hours a day, does that make me better than you? No, because we're all in Christ. All in Christ. And so all of these works of the law, all of these good deeds, man, is it good for me to rake leaves for my neighbor? And yes, there's definitely good. I'm doing it in Christ. I am, I am doing it in Christ. I'm not doing it to make myself righteous, to work my way up. 
I've talked to plenty of people who have this whole idea of a scale and your good deeds have to outweigh your bad deeds. And I just, I just hope I can measure up. I hope I can, man, that's such a ripoff. That's such garbage. Um, there are even Christians that think that way. And I can't wait. I, I hope, I hope there's some, well, I mean, I don't know how it's going to work, but they're in for such a surprise when, when they die and they're in Christ and they go straight to heaven and they see Jesus and they're like, oh, wow, I did not, uh, I, all of that good stuff I did was garbage. It doesn't matter because everything you did mattered, right? <laughs> Isaiah says that all of our righteous deeds are like just the, this filthy, putrid, disgusting pile of garbage compared to God's righteousness. And so I just hope you are blessed this week that you are able to cease from striving and labor and um, trying to earn the right order at McDonald's and that you just receive from God his grace and his mercy and that you respond to that and love him back and uh, live, live that out fully. God bless you.